right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome back to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host, Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Mr. Matt Cox and Mr. Jim Root. Another exciting episode in College Hoops, guys. We're ready to talk basketball per usual. We're running down some live dogs the week. We're talking about some major power games, some games in which we think the spread is correct in terms of this team's going to blow the other one out. Trash man pick of the week. And finally, we will be talking about a little spotlight section. And guys, this one I'm pretty excited about. We're talking trends. We're talking over trends, under trends. Let the good people know who they should be backing on these totals. Matt, we're going to get right into it. And we're starting with live dogs. Uh, Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh, there's my dog. Where's my dog? Uh Uh-huh, there's my dog. And of course, we need to recap how we did last week. Marist. Good job, us. Maris took down Fairfield. Kudos to Jim and Kai. Matt didn't come along. Uh, he didn't I see did. the light. Ah, dang it. I bet yeah. on them with the points, but it didn't. What was necessary? But Matt, Valpo failed to cover. Nevada got canceled. Okay, cool. Virginia failed to win the game outright. Uh, and none of our longer shots hit. So, not a great week from the weave. We'll try to do better this week. Poor Matt, Idaho. God damn it. Poor, poor Idaho. You know, I, I was a backer of them as well. And, Maybe we should stop uh, believing in the Vandals. But Matt, I want to start with you. Seton Hall at DePaul. I'm throwing this out there for you. If the Demons are going to pull an upset, in my opinion, it's going to be at home. This one's on Thursday. Seton Hall minus five per Ken Palm. Do you think they have a chance? I mean, sure, they have a chance. Here's where I'm at with DePaul and to an even stronger extent, Butler. They're just not that good. I was duped by DePaul early on. Butler was never that good. I was fooled into thinking they could be when they got healthier, but they've both had multiple home hype spots, quote unquote, and, you know, womp womp. Um, yeah, the matchup's favorable, you could argue, just with the length and size they have, which kind of negates a key strength of Seton Hall's gym. I don't know, man. I, I think you're right. You're shaking your head. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pick and peel back layers of potential rationale to back to Paul here, but guess what? I don't need to back to Paul. It's Big East play. They lose every game. Yep, we've seen the second personality of DePaul come to fruition, and that is Big East loser. That is what they do, unfortunately. Uh, new coach, unfortunately, the same trend. Seton Hall's too good. I think maybe they're a little frisky in the first half. Seton Hall comes in and is overlooking the Pirates, but I, I think they get their act together by the second half. They've got playmaking guards. I thought we saw a little coming out party from Kadari Richmond against mm-hmm. UConn. Just like, I'm going to bully ball my way to the rim, and he can do that against Gebra Witt or Jalen Terry if they try to throw him at Richmond. Maybe even Freeman Liberty, although I do respect him as, as a defender and with his length. I think this is, is Seton Hall's. They're, they're going to win. Sorry, no DePaul for me. Yeah, worth noting DePaul's lost by 17 and 15 at home already. Providence and Villanova. Yeah, I, I'm going to back off this one as well, guys. But Jim, how about this one? Can I tempt you with Colgate? They're going to Navy on Thursday. Now, why go against Navy? Navy's been a a wagon against the spread. But Colgate should, in asterisks, be the best Patriot team this season. These two teams didn't play last year, but Colgate was 2-0 against them in 2020. Any thoughts? 
Yeah, I like Colgate as a buy low candidate right now. I mean, the fact that they're lined per Kenpom is though they're like three points worse on a neutral is a little bit crazy to me, but right. I am not going against the C troops for the rest of the season. I made this claim to you guys internally. Dude, I, I will say it on the podcast. The Navy challenge, baby. I'm betting on Navy every game until the end of the season, until their season is done. And if they cover every game, I'll join the Navy. He's enlisting. <laughs> That's maybe a little extreme, A call to but... action. I love it. <laughs> The last two seasons, Matt, do you know what they are against the spread? A lot to a little. High number to a little. 24 and 8. They were the best team in the country last year, 14 and 4. They're 10 and 4 this year. Team is a freaking wagon. Extremely well coached at the Chalice. I love Colgate going forward, Matt, but this isn't the game for him. I know. I want to like do my own uh, military school challenge, like like VMI, like a team I love too. It's like, okay, if, if they cover every game the rest of the way, I'm going to enlist at VMI. And they do ground and air and sea troops at VMI. And so, no, I think they don't really pick one specific. I don't know if you can anyway. enlist in the VMI. You like, go to VMI and then like, that's, that's your outlet to whatever to grad school Navy program. SEALs or yeah. Right. Whatever MBA program is the equivalent there in the, the Naval. Academy. Anyway. Okay. Back to my take on this game. Yeah. Don't fade Navy. That's where I'm at. So I'm, I'm going to do the whole 180 about face and join the Navy train with my boy, Jim Kai. I can guarantee you I'll be on Colgate in that game against the spread though. So Jim, I guess we're going to have a, a head to head there. We're going to be head to head. Unfortunately, uh, Matt, I bet I can tempt you with this game though. Sienna, oh, you can. Sienna so- goes to Marist on Friday. Now Kim Palm has this Marist minus eight. Whew, that seems high because the Mac, and I'm talking about the Mac when I say the Mac Metro Atlantic is a crap shoot. Sienna's already pulled off a win as an outright dog. And Marist has been slowed by COVID slash, well, mostly COVID, I'll say. I don't think there's many injuries there. Matt, do you think Sienna is a live dog at Mirrors on Friday? Oh, yeah, I do. I, Sienna's been my most profitable team all season, by the way, and they've been kind of bad. At least they were to start. They had a bunch of guys out of the lineup. Now they're getting healthier. Team I picked to finish second in the league. So I was really high on the Saints coming in, probably too high in hindsight, but they're even priced like a bottom of the barrel max squad. They've covered four of the last five. They lost an OT to Manhattan at home. That's their only conference loss. I think they're a live dog here. Marist has been really good, but a John Dunn coach team, Jim, is not a favorite caliber team. That's a team you want to back as a dog, so if you can fade him as a favorite, I'm in on that. Yeah, and you don't know if Marist point guard, Jao Atuka, the freshman phenom, is going to be back. He's been in protocols. Uh, yeah, Matt, Santa's been great. I, I got thrown off the scent because I lost two straight overtime bets with them, and I was like, screw this team. Yeah, I, I hate it. Manhattan. Yep, that was, it was, that was shitty. That was wrong. <laughs> like that. I shouldn't have done that. You got to stick with the process, not the result. Uh, the Saints have been undervalued, and they remain undervalued. I, I in on this one as well, Kai. I think Sienna beats Marist. Find hard to believe Sienna is your most profitable team. They're five and six against the spread. I need to see your numbers, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. I need to see they your are. numbers. Uh, prove it. Prove no way. It. I dare you. <laughs> to prove I'll it. pull it up actually right now. I think All they right. are. Next game, Louisiana at Texas State. Texas State minus four. It's on Saturday. Jim, I think Louisiana is on a rocket ship to the moon. They should be nearly healthy for this game. Texas State's been on the shelf since December 30th, coming off a shorthanded home loss to Troy. Are you a Cajuns believer against a team that in Texas State that's been very, very good in Sunbelt play the last couple of years? Kai, I'm a raging Cajun. Raging. I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, no, I, I love the Cajuns. I, coming into the season, I thought they were the second best team in the league behind Georgia State. Georgia State has had their own issues. So the Cajuns right now reside atop the conference. You mentioned Texas State's dominance of the Sun Belt. I do worry about that. They've been a different team in Sun Belt play than they have in the non-con. But this Louisiana team is immense and immensely talented. They've got massive size, like a high major front court if they get Jordan Brown back in there. Uh, and Matt, they got AU playing, the point guard. They've got actual facilitation in the backcourt. I think the Cajuns win here too. 
Yeah, Texas State's been a team I've been stubbornly fading for like the last few years. Not quite to Navy's annoyance, but I'm all in on the Cajuns. Finally getting healthy. They've played much better than I thought they would when they even haven't been full strength. So the fact that they've already kind of propped up their baseline for me above where I thought, and now they're getting even more and more weapons back into the mix. Although there is like diminishing returns, like obviously you add like a 10th dude, you can't really get much better than you already are. But Louisiana is awesome, man. Like this is a team that's going to trend back to top 100 status. Um, we've seen Bob Marlin field top 100 teams before, like not so long ago. So this Usually is very transfer heavy. And this one is yeah, with, with premier talent, big time athletes, power conference dudes. Nothing fluky about the trajectory that Cadence are on right now. All right. I'm going to throw in one package deal for you guys. Quick takes on this. And then I'm going to open the floor. A two pack here, Oregon. Do they get one win in the UCLA slash USC road trip? They're going Thursday to UCLA. They're going Saturday to USC. Can the Ducks win one of these games, Jim? No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I've been, I was high in the, the Ducks preseason, but I'm kind of all the way off. They let Oregon State shoot like 70% inside the arc against them in, in a rivalry game. The defense is deeply, deeply flawed, Matthew. Yep. It's like 120th yes, it in the country. And they're going against two teams that can give them serious problems inside. I'm sorry, Ducks. I can't get there. Yeah, they need like Kenny Wooten to come out of retirement and put back on an Oregon <laughs> uniform. Maybe he has an extra year of eligibility. Dante and Kepning should be like good interior. They should be awesome. Not. They've had moments offensively. And uh, Nate Biddle, the guy who we've hyped up before, is as offensive skill. They just don't have like that linchpin of the defense, which has made Oregon elite, elite in years past. So without that, I think they're kind of lacking the DNA that we want from Oregon. It's probably what plus 600 if you were to bet money line, like odds that they win at UCLA or at USC. No, mm. Or be kind of high. You think it's that high? I bet they're not even plus 600 in either game. Oh, I think it'd be close like to 800 both games. So yeah, the math would probably be closer to four, 300. Okay. I don't know. Maybe mm. you're right. Though. I mean, I think the spread's big. 10 I mean, to 12 per Kim pump. I think they're even higher just because of how dominant USC's been and UCLA still, I think, regarded as a top 10 team. We'll see. Guys, I need to add. Jim, you might have one in the holster there. Yep. I'm taking VCU at St. Bonaventure on Friday. I think VCU is the best team in the A-10. I don't think Bonnie's will be quite back up to full strength. We will see them tonight, Tuesday, as of our recording. Uh, so last night, for those most of you listening on Wednesday, we'll see who they have in the lineup. But even then, there's only five guys that matter on that team, and they haven't developed a bench. Coming off a pause, I don't think they're going to be quite there. I love this VCU team, so I think they win outright at St. Bonaventure on Friday. Matthew, anything for you? Yeah, the one I'm going to throw out there is this Saturday. Furman is going to Chattanooga, and Chattanooga's been insanely good. Like, Sylvia D'Souza completely dominates that conference, and we've seen Furman be dominated inside. Uh, North Carolina comes to mind, but they have upset potential, man. I think when they play their small ball, spread you out. They have a really high ceiling if they're firing all cylinders. So I think the Paladins, the Paladins, the men in fur, as we like to call them, are a live pup. Uh, they'll probably be catching like eight in that game just because Nuga's been yep. so awesome. Like, I think you're going to get a pretty good price Furman money line. Only four teams are, are shorter per Kempom average height. Yeah, that could be small guards. I'll be honest. <laughs> smash them in that. Like, we'll, we'll see. All right, guys. Next section Blowout City. Fire in the hole. Uh, last week, not great for Blowout City. FIU ended up losing outright to Bethune Cookman. Prairie View <laughs> lost. Prairie View lost outright to Mississippi Valley State, which is one of the weirdest results of all season. Bethune uh, dominated FIU. Let's just like they. Yeah, they dominated. FIU. It wasn't even close. IUPUI covered against Wright State. So that wasn't a, a blowout. But Belmont did blow out uh, SEMA. So way to go. We got one right. That's probably the worst blowout city performance we've had to date. I'm going to have a couple here, guys. And I think we're going to hit some here. And Jim, look, I want to say this yes. section's on the hot seat. Ooh, okay. It's on the hot seat. After right. last week's performance, given where we're at in the season, this section's yeah. on the hot seat. Got to look to make a change, I think. Jim, Weber State, minus 18 against Idaho coming to town on Thursday. 
I think Weber State scores 100. I do not see this game even being close. Yeah, Idaho's been running this year. They don't have their rim protector right now, Philip Peppel. He's potentially out, has missed the last couple games. And Weber State is like one of the best slashing teams in the entire country. They've got four guys that just can get to the rim off the bounce. A lot of lefties on that squad, which makes them weirdly difficult to defend because you're just not expecting it to come from that direction. I think Weber is designed to blow out bad teams at home. Maybe not even a great crowd at the D, Matthew, but I don't trust Idaho on the road to keep this close. I disagree. Uh, Idaho are always on Idaho. Yeah, you're they got so they, Jim. I just checked. I just they did get Pebble back last game, which coincided with the three oh, point helpful. loss at Eastern Washington. They've lost by six at Southern Utah. Was so that they did beat South Dakota State again? This team has a high ceiling because they can get piss hot from three, hit 15 against Eastern Washington. And Weaver likes to kind of play Matador Ole defense at times as well. So I don't think they're going to be as religiously as they chase shooters off the line. I just don't think that defense is in tip top shape right now. I disagree. I like Idaho. Sorry, guys. Worth noting, Weaver won by 19 and 25 last year against Idaho. At Idaho, food for thought. Hmm. OBC Powers at the Ohio Valley versus the dregs of the conference, guys. This will be a staple in this section. Yes. That's, yeah, we should just like narrow the scope of the section to OVC fading crap teams. I like the, that. The, the summary is really, really good teams in the OVC, like the Murray States and the Belmonts of the world, crushed the bad teams in this league last season against the spread and straight up, of course. Murray State and Belmont both have juicy matchups. Murray State gets Tennessee State on Thursday. Ken Palm says they are a 20-point favorite. Billion turnovers, says Kai, for Tennessee State. Murray won by 20 last year. Belmont gets Austin P, a team that's not nearly as good as last season, have a brand-new coach, brand-new system, not the same players. They're also on Thursday. Belmont minus 22 for Ken Palm. I think it's a 30-point win for Belmont. Do you like either game? Do you like both games? Do you like neither game? I actually like Murray more because Tennessee State can get into like this helter-skelter frenetic style and Murray State will revel in that. They're cut above talent, speed, size. If anyone watched the Memphis game, you saw just up close like, okay, one of the most imposing physical teams in the country, Murray State, was in no way overmatched in that game. Yeah, I think they embarrassed Tennessee State. I think Austin P can muck it up and maybe keep it closer against Belmont. Maybe, maybe, emphasis on maybe. I like Murray more though if you have to pick one of the two. Yeah, I kind of like them both. This is just going to come down to like motivation for these favorites. I, I think Murray State and Belmont can blow out every team in that league, save Moorhead. And it's just, are they going to do it every game? Or are they going to kind of show up and go through the motions in some games? I'd imagine it's profitable if you bet on them as like a big favorite every time during league play, but they're going to throw some stinkers out there. They're not going to cover every time. So I would probably still bet both small. Kai, I think over the long run, these are going to pay out. And Jim, how about on Saturday, a big South matchup, Winthrop, is going to Chuck South, a.k.a. Charleston Southern. Kimpom has this only minus 12 for Winthrop. Why is this 12? The spread will not be 12. Chucky South gets blown out, in my opinion, because they have the 352nd best offense, the 340th best defense. And Jim, they play at the fifth fastest tempo in the country. That all points to getting blown up by anybody, especially Winthrop team that is good. Yeah, I mean, I know this is, at, I guess, at Chuck South, but I'm not giving them, like, any home. No. Like, I don't think there's going to be, like, a hype home crowd or anything for Charleston Southern, <laughs> one of the bottom 10 teams in the entire country. And Winthrop is rounding into form. Uh, they just came off their paws and, and squeaked out a win against a big contender in Campbell. I, I think, yeah, Winthrop's going to smoke them here. 12 points is entirely too low, Matt, for a team that's in a massively different class. Jim, I just checked, because I remember I've, I've watched Chuck South games before at home, and they have, like... I think our high school gyms hold more. Um, Ken Palm oh, has it as a tiny. Yeah. 881 max capacity, the 357th <laughs> wow. largest in D1. So I don't my know high school actually, actually is bigger than that. So 
we're talking about quite literally the smallest gym in the country, save one. I don't know who that's, who that is. So yeah, no, no, there'll be no home hype crowd here at all. Yeah. Winthrop smokes them. I watched Winthrop Campbell. Those teams are awesome. They're going to put the hurt on some bad big South teams. Thank you. Yeah. And worth noting, Chuck South has lost by 25 to Gardner Webb and 23 to UNC Asheville. So two big South opponents already have blown them out. I think Gardner Webb was at home. Yeah. They lost by 25 yeah. at home to Gardner Webb. Yeah. So it's a great spot for Winthrop. By the way, 185 miles between Rock Hill, South Carolina, and Charleston, South Carolina, the more you know. Next section, power games of the week. We get to talk about actual good teams versus actual good teams here. And we got four on the docket here. We're going to start with a Thursday matchup in the Big Ten Ohio State against Wisconsin. At the Kohl Center, Jimmy, minus two per Kempom. Wisconsin is the new flavor of the week. They were 3-0 last week. Johnny Davis is in the player of the year talks. But let's not forget about EJ Liddell, man. He's pretty good, too. Who do you like in this matchup? I think neither team really has a great matchup for the other team's star. Uh, we saw Ohio State roll Wisconsin at Wisconsin. That's what happens when Johnny Davis isn't nuclear. But I do like Wisconsin back home revenge spot. I bet this line's above two. I think they're going to give Wisconsin home court some respect, Matthew, as they should. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think it's going to be a great one to watch because I think you can get like 25 plus from both Davis and Liddell here. Yeah, I'm actually worried. Who's guarding Liddell? Man, I was just in awe of that game he had against Tyler Wall. Dude. He's a great defender. Yeah, Wall's a good defender. You're right. I just think Liddell is matchup proof, man. He, the, yes. the shots he makes are just insane at this point. He's like mastering these like step back turnarounds, adding that on top of his like pick and pop three game. His kind of crafty old man drive vintage post. He really has the whole package, but I think he's pissed that Tyler Davis is also swagger jacked his Johnny of the year. Johnny Davis, Johnny cool. as I call him when I get his name, right? So I think Liddell comes out with a massive game. Here, Kai. I like the Buckeyes. Liddell 28 and nine, the first matchup. He was 10 for 13 from two. That's pretty good. Johnny Davis at 24 and seven. So I agree. We're going to see a great game here. Ohio state won by 18. The first game, I think Wisconsin probably punches back. It's a, it's a typical split series. In my opinion, next game, not technically power teams, but come on. They basically are BYU heading to the big 12 pretty soon. Next couple of years at Gonzaga, a team that's basically better than every power team. Kim Pum, of course, Matthew has his Gonzaga minus 11, which is probably warranted, but also sticker shock a little bit. This is BYU's Super Bowl, or are they too vulnerable inside without their big guys, Harward and Baxter? No, when Mark Pope's in the sidelines, they're always, they're never vulnerable. I kind of thought this team was not going to go in a tailspin, but sort of find their level and struggle to get through like the San Francisco's and St. Mary's of the WCC. And then they put St. Mary's in the chokehold. 52-43, they get a win at home. They're already 2-0 in the conference. But, Jim, I think we've seen Gonzaga dominate teams that can't quite punch in their weight class. BYU's not been as prone to that, but I think Gonzaga takes care of business here. Yeah, I do too. The, the interior strength for Gonzaga is just too much to overcome. BYU's not going to get easy buckets at all. Chet Holmgren's added such a unique element to their rim protection. And I think I saw of players with like over 30 attempts at the rim this year. Holmgren's the only one shooting over 90%. He's just a perfect finisher inside with his length. And Timmy, again, is, I don't know how you stop him when there's two bigs you have to worry about on that roster. I think the Gonzaga younger guards, your Salas, your Nolan Hickman, they're starting to come into their own in their roles. BYU is just, yeah, they're too limited without the size to combat inside. They're going to have to help and double and scramble. And Gonzaga's passing and ball movement is too much to overcome there. Gonzaga by 17, 11, and 10 last year against BYU. BYU gave it their all, but came up short. I think these teams are relatively same distance apart this year. I'd like uh, to cite that one of those games was a stupid backdoor by BYU where yeah. they were like playing hard in the final 10 seconds yes. down 15. It was That's Mark Pope, games. baby. Mark Pope always goes for that <laughs> at the end of the games. SEC country, Tennessee at Kentucky. Jim, Tennessee's one and two 
in the SEC. That's bad news. Does that get them overtime against Ole Miss? Barely. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not great. They're going they're going to Kentucky on on Saturday. It's hard to see Tennessee scoring very easily against Kentucky because they have been struggling to score against most teams this season. Who do you like? I think I kind of like Tennessee here. I, I don't know if that's yeah, if Matt's going to jump in with his Vols, but I like them as an underdog. I don't think that Kentucky's as as crazy defensively as LSU, and that that really gave Tennessee problems. Kentucky's not really going to zone much. They're, they're not that great on the wing in terms of defensive prowess, unless you're talking Jacob Toppin. Uh, so I think Tennessee can find their way to points here. They just got to keep Mr. Sheway off the glass, Matthew, and you got to get a hand in Kellen Grady's face. Yeah, I hope they're catching five. I mean, I think Kentucky's better than LSU, and Tennessee was only catching, what, three and a half? So just look at that for yep. pure handicapping. That's probably all to me. Five, yeah. Hoping it's five. I think it probably goes closer to four. I'm with Jim, though. I like the Vols. I know they've had some ups and downs, but I still think that team's good. Uh, yeah, I'm on pause with Tennessee. I can't get them right. Fading, betting on them. They keep flip-flopping me. I'm staying away. Next game though, guys, Matt, last one here in the power game of the week section, Texas is traveling to Hilton magic at Iowa state on Saturday, Texas minus one for Kempom. Does Hilton magic do it again? We saw them beat Texas tech. They covered against Baylor, Texas, maybe not the team we thought they'd be in the preseason defensive slog for sure. Two teams that really D up. What do you think, Matt? I want to bet Iowa State so badly here. I really do. Like everything do it. about this Do it spot. with me. Nope, can't do it. Um, because wrong. Iowa State, here, here's what people won't tell you. They're not even a top 50 team, in my opinion. I'm sorry, guys. They're not. They're being priced like one. So they're basically you're betting. I don't think they're top 50. <laughs> Their like, defense right is the like definitely top 15 good. Yeah, but the offense is really herky-jerky. I mean, you're just yeah, relying a lot on Tyrese Hunter to make stuff happen, and we've seen him be erratic. A freshman point guard in the gauntlet of the Big 12. I think they're in for a pretty sharp progression here eventually, especially on offense. The defense is legit. I buy it. I get all that. I just think I was probably going to only be catching, what, a couple of points, if that, in this game. I'd like to be catching probably three to four. So it's just a pricing for me, Jim. That's why I'm not going to back Iowa State in this game. Wrong. Iowa State wins. I, I, they're they're going to be Texas is just underwhelming. Them going against a competent defense is like, oh, God, we can't rely on our defense to win because we can't score. That's going to be the, the issue that Texas runs into. Yes, I know Iowa State had like a 14-minute stretch against Texas Tech where they scored two points. It was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Texas is clearly a great defensive team. But I think the the boost from Hilton Magic, students will be back for this one. I think this is a, a big home spot win for the clones. Yeah, I, Matt, I think you're high if you think they're not top 50. Bartorvik 21st, Kempom 39th. Who's better, TCU or Iowa State? You think Iowa, Iowa State. State. What are you talking okay. about? I think it's incredibly close. <laughs> I think it's very close. Iowa State beat Xavier, are, it's very close. Xavier by 12. Beat Memphis. what Iowa State's done. <laughs> Memphis by 19. I, I know what Iowa done. by 20. It's Baylor cover. Thing. Texas Tech I know win. what they've done. It's all very impressive. Going wow. forward, we're talking about forward looking. Every predictive look site ahead. has them top 50, Matt. Every one of them. Wow. I know. Well, I'm better at my predictives than, than they are, Jim. So sorry, Ken. Sorry, but they, they're a top five team. Work, but you may, top you 50 team in Kai's book. Wowzers, wowzers. I love do you really have top 50, both of you? Man, I thought yeah, we were all kind of in the. Okay, no, I got them like 60th, 50, 60th. Sorry. Oh, hey, hey, fade away, baby. I, I would not fade him at Hilton Magic here at Hilton Coliseum. I like Iowa I'm State. Not fading. I'll, no I'll take I'm a head to head here, man. Definitely not going to fade him. No, I'm not. Trust me. I want to bet Iowa State here. I'm just not. I think they're overpriced, overvalued. They're expensive. A good weave argument is always nice for the show. Mid-major game of the week. We got three games here. We already talked about one a little bit, Jim, with your uh, live dog section call out. BCU is traveling to St. Bonaventure. The Bynes get a tune-up here coming off a long pause. They're off for nearly a month. They get LaSalle on the day we're recording this. Too late for you guys at home. BCU, though, as you said, Jim, they're playing like the best team in the A-10. They haven't lost since November. They've covered five straight. They have George Washington on Tuesday as well. 
I kind of think you're right here. VCU's a live dog. Yeah, Bonaventure's just been nowhere near the team we saw last season. I don't know if it's complacency. I don't know if it's like the disease of more where everybody wants more shots because they were so good last year and brought everybody back. But the steadfast refusal, Matt, of Mark Schmidt to develop even a semblance of a bench is an issue. VCU can pressure them. They're going to be 10 deep, should be fully healthy by this time with Jaden Nunn and Levi Stockard back in there. I just am head over heels all in on this VCU team. And Bonnie's have left me feeling very, very cold this year. Yeah, souring on the Bonnies, uh, who was our flagship program last year. Here's my concern, though, from a VCU perspective is like, I think the Bonnies can handle the ball. Like, they got big, strong, smart, cerebral guards. I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed or shocked by the pressure. Now, I think your point about do they fatigue, run out of gas with such a short bench coming off the COVID pause, that's a concern. Maybe late second half. Maybe you look to come in on VCU second half if, if Bonnie's come up strong. But Kai, the Bonnie's have been, have been, like, they've been like they've the been worst terrible first half. First half. half. Exactly. <laughs> so it's probably not going to come to fruition because they've been down 10 points and then they roar back second half, which doesn't really add up with their lack of depth thing. All that is to say, it's a stay away for me. I think the Bonnies are going to be better coming out of this COVID pause than people think, but they're not a top 25, top 30 team that most people thought preseason. I think we have to rule that out now. They probably have some value. This game is not one I'm interested in betting on them. Matt, you think Bonnie's still better than Iowa State? Ooh, I like this question. Mm. Yeah, it's close. It's a toss-up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't even answer convincingly. <laughs> it's a We're going to earmark January 11th right now. Who played better from Jan 11th through March 11th? Bonnie's or Iowa State. Okay. Well, you're not even taking a stance. I'll I'll see you. Flag. Iowa State is a top 50 team from January 11th on. They have played like one. They will not going forward. That's let me reframe my argument. Okay. We'll filter Bart Torvik for those dates. Can't wait. Uh, Next game, guys. We talked about Murray State. We talked about Belmont. Well, they play each other, Matt, on Saturday and throw the record books out when these two teams get together. It is a power powerhouse matchup in the OBC future Missouri Valley. Both these teams head in the Valley. Belmont minus seven for Kim Palm. Woo. Too much. Too, too much. many points says me, Matt. Points. KJ Williams versus Nick Musinski is the matchup here inside. Matt, Murray State. It's going to be closer to five. I bet the odds makers hang it. Closer it will to be five, closer to five. You're right. Which is unfortunate for us because I want to hit Murray State with a hammer if it's a touchdown. Yeah, inside matchups key. I mean, what can the Moose do against Williams? I mean, they've gone against each other for what three years now? Like they both know each other's play look like the back of their own hands. So Murray's just a different beast this year. I think people slept on him preseason. Cats out of the bag now. You beat Memphis, you get out of everyone's radar. But I still think Murray is awesome. Like right up there, one A, one B with Belmont in this conference. I'm not quite one A, one B, but they're clearly one two in this league. So yeah, I, I would not be looking to lay a bunch of points, lay over a touchdown with Belmont. I think that's crazy. Most of these games are aligned like Two, three, one. Uh, there was one six point spread back in February, and Belmont covered by one point. It won by seven. So I think these tend to be close over and over. It's going to be a coin flip game late, probably. And I hope my Bruins get it done, Kai, for my OVC future. Yeah, they can win, Jim, but I'll probably be on Murray. So let's let's call it non cover. I also have them in the OVC future. All right, last game in this section. I'm cheating because now I'm calling BYU a mid-major. And they're at San Francisco on Saturday. Minus two San Francisco per Ken Palm. Huge game for both teams for at-large resume purposes. But Jim, BYU's coming off Gonzaga. Perhaps they lack some prep here. And you know Todd Golden for San Francisco is going to have a game plan for BYU. They want this game like blood. Who do you lean? Sort of lean towards the home team here. I just, I think BYU may still be a little bit overvalued in the market without their interior. Big men still trying to figure out lineups with Triore and, and Loner as the five men. And the Dons have really started to figure out who they are, Matthew. They, they didn't get many stops against Loyola in their little game in Salt Lake no, City they that they not. set up. But I think they show up a little bit better here. Conference play, I think that's a big one for them. They know they need to get it done if they want that at-large bid. 
they did well win loss wise in the non-com, but they didn't have any like mega needle movers. So I think this is kind of the first of many where the Dons are going to be hype home at War Memorial and get a victory as a narrow home favorite. I lean that way. I've been a stubborn Don's backer most of the year. I do worry about guys like Loner and Trore, these tweener swing bigs that we saw them struggle to defend against Loyola. Ryan Schweiger comes to mind and like that kind of mid post action. Didn't really have that type of piece or pieces that I trust. That's like the only weak spot in the roster for the Don's, but still spots too juicy. I think San Francisco just plays better. I think it's this third game. I do too. I'm leaning towards Don's. All right, Trash Man Pick of the Week. We've got one game. Here it is. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. This is my pick, guys. Admittedly. IUPUI at Milwaukee. Horizon's always good for a Trash Man Pick. So is IUPUI. Just insert them. IUPUI. Milwaukee's favored by 14 on Saturday. Both these offenses are laughable. And if you watch this game, which you shouldn't because it's the trash man pick of the week, the decision-making you're going to see on both ends will be among the worst you see all season. Jim, did I pick a good game here? Yeah, you picked a good, bad game. This is going to be terrible. I don't think either coach is very good. And maybe uh, IUPUI's coach Crenshaw can get better once he actually has talent on the roster, but he has not elevated what he has this year. That's for sure. And they are one of the worst offenses, as you mentioned. This is ugly, Matt. I think it is deservedly the trash man pick of the week. Yeah, this was the best pick on the board. The only other one I had picked out was Campbell hosting Radford, which I think ends mm. up being like 110 oh. point total. Yeah, Campbell's uh, good yeah. though. They're actually Campbell's, Campbell's like good. good. I just think yeah. that the pace is so slow and it's going to turn like a really yeah. rock fight type game. Won't be fun to watch either. Now we come to our spotlight section. And the spotlight we're going to spotlight, guys, are total trends. Say spotlight again. Spotlight. Starring, spotlight. is it Mark Ruffalo? Spotlight. Mark Ruffalo. Oh, yeah. Uh, Stanley okay. Tucci, a little touch of the Tooch in that movie. Oh, oh yeah. Tucci's a, a legend. Uh, we're talking strong over teams and strong under teams. So, yeah, trends, man. Matt, the number one over team in the country is Louisiana Monroe. They are 11 and 2 to the over, and they have over a 10 and a half point cover margin to the over. Now, this shocked me at first, but when you look at them under Keith Richard this year, their coach, their longtime coach, it's the third best offense this team's ever had under Richard. They have a bottom four defense in Richard's tenure, and they're running more than ever. This is the first year they have been up-tempo under him. All those things kind of add up. Any, any thoughts towards ULM? Um, other than I'm tired of fading them and them beating me. When I hey, not last a, time from a side perspective, Darn they, right. sure they finally didn't cover. But yeah, when you have better talent, better players, you should play faster. Let the edge and talent play out over a large number of possession. That's a pretty obvious playbook tenant, Jim. So I like it. I don't think they have a lot better players. I think they're still playing above their heads a little bit. The best team he had was the one with Dyshawn Smith, the, the Wichita State transfer, yeah, just tearing things up. But yeah, I think I've bet a few unders here and been absolutely destroyed yeah, on me them. Too. So I will stop doing that. Their forward. offensive efficiency is nuts this year. But Jim Manhattan, eight and two to the over, 11 and a half point cover margin. It's their best offense since 2015 and their worst defense since 2017. It's also the highest tempo under Steve Masillo in about three or four years per rankings. Do you think it's sustainable in conference play for Manhattan? Probably. For the last three years, they would have been a go-to trash man pick of the week because their offense was claw your eyes out bad. (laughs) They had talent though, Matt. They always had some down transfers that were like, okay, this team should be pretty competent and they weren't, but I buy it just because I think the roster has the makeup to do. They got guys from Seton Hall, from, from UMass. Like it makes sense here. Yeah. The Jose Perez edition has been key. Like we kind of thought he was a, 
a shithead to put it nicely when he left Gardner Webb, a lot of the fans were happy he left. And now he's kind of found his way back down to mid major and he's really blossomed. He's an absolute stud player. And it's unlike Ant Nelson, the Seton Hall transfer who kind of flamed out and I think has been up and down. Perez is legit. So this makes sense too. Yeah. Perez had a cup of coffee with Marquette the year prior. Right. Um, which Marquette the down fans transfer. Probably, yep. probably hate him too. Two teams are 11, three and one to the over. Iowa has an 8.6 cover margin. Now, not super surprising here. Iowa's probably in this section a lot. They always play a high tempo. Number three offense in the country and 158th defense. So classic Fran McCaffrey here, baby. But UMass is the other 11 and three and one team. A plus 13.1 cover margin. Pretty sure the highest cover margin of the over in the country. Jim, 33rd in offense this year per Kim Palm is UMass. But 321st in defense, I think that makes them the most lopsided team in the country in terms of offense versus defense, good versus bad. UMass, sustainable over teams. Should we just blindly put our money on the over going forward? Man, it's pretty close. I don't like saying blind to any sort of bet. That's dangerous territory. Should be should be betting numbers, folks. Yeah, but there you go. UMass is as close as it gets just because they, they play a lot of guards. They run up and down. And I don't think McCall has ever figured out what he wants to do defensively, Matthew. Now, maybe your Michael Stedman, your boy, giving them yep. a paint presence can, you know, harsh this mellow a little bit, but I still think they're going to be an over team going forward. No, until they like show one ounce of crap to get back on defense, it doesn't matter if they have good defenders. They like just teams waltz and transition and get layups. It's been the same issue with McCall the last three years. I didn't think this defense would get much worse. But from 128th to 321st, yeah, it got real bad real quick. So UMass fans like touting the, we'll be just fine without Trey Mitchell. It's like, ah, you probably won't. You're probably going to hurt a little bit. And they are. Very guard-oriented. All right, let's finish the show with under teams. Strong under teams. Hey, real quick. Nope, I got to interject this guy. Just any team is a good over team at this point. Um, We are now at data through January 8th. 16 straight days, the overs cash more than the unders, wow. uh, hitting at a 58% clip over that span. I mean, pretty over, over that 16 day span, 58%, eh? Yes. Uh, Efficiency's wow. gone through the roof, um, especially the last week or so. So, I mean, a lot of those like early, the, the Christmas break leading into, uh, there weren't many games like those early eight days, but the last week's just been an overfest. So, when in doubt, if you like an over, it's probably going to hit. I think it comes back down soon. I think we see a sharp Yield uh, pendulum swing. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. Under teams, guys. Matt, this one isn't a surprise. Eastern Illinois has not hit an over all year. They're 0-12 to the under. So their games are going under by an average of 10.6 points per game. Second worst offense in the country for Ken Palm. And Marty Simmons is the head coach, Matt, and he plays crawl ball. He does. I can't believe the market hasn't caught up in this. Like you don't see 12 and 0 or 0 and 12 against the spread fade or bet ons. You just only in totals do you see these streaks go undetected like this. Pretty insane cover margin there. I mean, the offense is terrible. They have to play slow to mitigate the lack of talent. It's a pretty obvious under team. Their best player is an Illinois transfer, and his O rating is under 80. Like, <laughs> that's heinously inefficient for a team that like typically devalues the three ball under Marty Simmons. That's what he did at Evansville is a lot of the continuous motion, mid-range pull-up type stuff off of curls. And it's just not where basketball is right now. It's unsurprising that their offense has been mega inefficient. Jim, also maybe not a surprise. UC Irvine is one seven and one to the under going under by an average of eight points per game. Bad offense, good defense is their standard. But what I didn't know when looking into this, it's their slowest offensive tempo under Russell Turner during his tenure by a fair margin. Interesting trend. I wonder if it starts to go a little bit quicker in Big West play. Yeah, maybe ticks up a tad. Uh, They did play a 67 possession game against Riverside to start. And Riverside's not a speed demon either. So that's a little faster than you'd expect. Uh, Maybe they tick up a little bit too when they get Dawson Baker back. The the guard that is one of their better creators. He's been out with a broken hand. 
once he's back in there, I could see them being a little bit better as an over team. Yeah, I don't think Turner trusts his guards. That's why he's playing really slow. It's sort of yeah. like a, keep the harness on a younger backcourt. That's kind of hurt, as you mentioned. In the bad offense category, IUPUI, we're going to pick on them again. Worst offense, 2-10 and 10 to the under, almost 11 points per game. Their games are going under, and they play at one of the slowest tempos in the country. Matt, they're scoring 85.8 points per 100 possessions. That's really, really, really bad. I think IUPUI is going to be under team for the foreseeable future. Uh, hey, congrats. They just scored 60 points for the first time all season against Illinois Chicago. Had no. not eclipsed. I'm sorry. No, they did score 61 against Spalding. Um, Spalding. Is a, uh, <laughs> basketball. Yeah, well, they, they also make, bas- they make basketballs, but I believe they feel the college team. Yeah, Jim, I don't know why Matt Crenshaw told us they were going to try and run this year. Like it was never a good idea. So I'm glad he smartly decided to not run with the lack of talent he has. But I guess that just makes for more excruciating games on the television. Yeah. Spalding, also a character in Caddyshack. Shout out to Mr. Spalding. Oh, wow. Yeah, great pull there. And the Amanda show. Kind of weird pull, I'll admit. You have that one is a little weird. Amanda, Amanda Bynes. I'm just, I had to Amanda process Bynes. what you're. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yes. Matt, the, the, the quotes from Crenshaw early season or preseason about we're going to run were just lunacy. Like, I can't believe he even like bluffed that they might do that. Uh, this team is completely devoid of talent, offensive threats. So they just try to drag it down into the muck. Uh, one of their games that went over, I think, was like a foul fest late. It wasn't even because of tempo or efficiency. So they're definitely going to be under or nothing for me for quite a while. Yeah. yeah, And we close our show, guys, with LSU, 3-12 and 12 to the under, almost 11 points per game to the under per game. A total 180, Jim, on their strengths this season. The number one D in the country, the number 77 offense, and usually that's quite reverse under Will, Raid, Will Wade. Uh, both of these are extreme, extreme ranks for him. Going forward, sustainable? Man, yeah, I, I, I've been in on the defense since I watched it early on. They're just so swarming. They're so long. They're, there's like nine guys that can get a steal on the floor. Like, it's not like they're reliant on one or two pressure valves. So I, I'm pretty in on the defense. Coming up, as you're listening this Wednesday night, they're playing Florida and Xavier Pinson. Their starting point guard is probably out. That certainly helps the under a little bit. I, I think they're going to be a team that I'm going to be looking to back overs because their tempo and the way they run offensively. But I need to adjust the defense all the way down, Kai, because it's the best in the country by like a wide margin yeah, on efficiency ton. basis. It's weird that this is the first year they're also playing transition defense. Like that was always the issue with LSU in the past. Like they don't play any defense in the half court, but then like they also just give up like layup lines out on the break. And this year they've eliminated that and their half court defense, their pressure is just suffocating. So there's so many forces playing behind this under surge. I don't know if it's going to sustain though. It feels like at this point there's going to be correction. I think I should mention the offense probably has some upside for improvement. And do we think they're going to finish the year as the number one overall defense? I'm not entirely convinced. They got to drop a long way to get to number two. It's Yeah, no, it's like they're, they kind of have a huge edge there on the number, the second team, three whole defensive adjusted points there on 10 pounds. That's a lot. Jesus. My goodness. That is a lot. And you guys, you're never a lot. You're just right. Matthew and Jim. Such ends our podcast, guys. Hey, reminder before we go, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Really helps us out. And listen to us on Spotify as well. We'll see you next time on the Big Bets on Campus podcast next Wednesday morning. Until then, good luck in your bets. Enjoy college hoops.